It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today's guest is Greg Branham from Silent... I already butchered it. (laughs) Silent Warriors Coaching. It wouldn't be a podcast. We always say it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't even can't even talk already. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, Greg, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I've kind of gone through some of your Instagram stuff. Uh, Justin and I usually like to kind of keep it a little secret that we don't know who you people are we're interviewing. So, yeah. I. Uh, I did a pretty good job this time and I'd browse your Instagram a little bit today. And uh, so, oh, yeah, why don't you, you tell us about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, is he, a, is he a runner or where are we going with this one? So, <laughs> I'm so used to runner. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead and just uh, give us a little, little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Um, I don't know how in depth we want to go. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be 45 here in October. I'm married, been married for almost 12 years, I think, or something like that. Got three kids, nine, seven, and an almost two-year-old. I'm a licensed general contractor here in California, and I'm also a project manager for a custom home builder in uh, Malibu, California. Um, And I'm an avid runner and fitness enthusiast. I've been sober for... uh, five years in December, God willing. And, um, I started my kind of fitness journey and running and stuff back in 2007. I think it was, um, the first time that I got sober, um, I started running and working out and, um, and it just kind of stuck since, um, and I've bounced back and forth, uh, with ultra endurance from cycling and mountain biking, um, to running. And now I've, I've kind of the blast probably, I don't know, eight months or so. Um, I've just been kind of focusing solely on running and strength training. Um, and I started a coaching program. I was coaching friends and stuff, uh, like writing running programs for them and, and um, programming workouts and stuff for them. Um, and then probably in April, I think it was, I started, uh, I started actually an online coaching program. Um, and that's where the silent warriors coaching is comes from. You and I are pretty much the same age. I turn 45 next month. Nice. I just, uh, I just realized next month I turned 45. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Man, you get well, I old. I, I thought I turned 45 <laughs> last year until my mom had to tell me that I was 44. Isn't that funny how you totally forget how old you are? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm getting old. I turned 36 this year and I'm like, oof. I'm like I'm over that, that hill. I'm I'm closer to forty now. It's like, huh. I remember. I remember the the morning I woke up on my thirtieth birthday. I woke up and my lower back was just wrenched. And I'm like, is this like some sort of joke? What is going on here? You know, you know we always like to say dirty thirty. So exactly. <laughs> Does it start already? Uh, so why don't you tell us a little about your uh, coaching business? So. um that kind of stemmed just from my desire to, to help guys who have gone through a lot of the uh, trials and tribulations that I've been through in life. Uh, I suffered from 
uh, pretty bad anxiety for a long time, which, uh, you know, in hindsight, kind of doing some self reflection and stuff, I, I pinpointed back to an incident that happened when I was in like fourth grade or something. Um, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. Um, and then I've dealt with anxiety like all through uh, or um, middle school and high school um, and then into my later teen years and early 20s and stuff. Um, and I, I still have a little bit of it um, to, in certain situations, but I've, I've been able to kind of overcome that uh, quite well. Um, dealt with depression a little bit through my teenage years, just like I'm sure, you know, most kids did. Um, and then just various forms of addictions. Um, and so the, the coaching aspect of it, um, I saw how uh, fitness and endurance sports and stuff really made a difference in my life. Um, and so I really just, um, I, I can look back on journals and stuff that I wrote probably 15 to 20 years ago, um, where I was interested in, in talking about wanting to be like some sort of life coach. Um, but in that I had like kind of that, um, imposter syndrome, you know, like I don't have any degrees. I'm not a, you know, a psychologist, you know, like who, who's going to listen to me sort of. Um, and then I, I, um, I met with some mentors and, you know, they kind of convinced me like, it, it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. You have a story you've been through, uh, you know, your own issues and trials and tribulations and all that stuff. Uh, and with your story, you know, you have the ability to help other people and you're kind of doing a, a disservice by not, you know, doing your best to try and help other people. Um, so I accepted that and I, uh, I started this um, online coaching business um, and that's kind of what it's all about. So you, is it just primarily men? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to, um, you know, it, like, the reason for that is because it's mostly like uh, a lot of mindset and discipline and re, um, restructuring and rebuilding habits to become a better husband and a better father um, and because those are, again, things that, that I struggled with. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it's primarily men. If, if a woman wants, uh, like a running program or, you know, a, a strength training program or something like that, then by all means I can put that together. But, um, my main focus is, is just helping dudes, um, that are struggling with, with those things and, you know, want to become be the best version of themselves and better husbands and better fathers and that sort of thing. Uh, so why, this is a question I ask myself almost daily. Uh, it seems like a lot of men are struggling these days and it's harder for men to ask for help just from society norms. Uh, you know, most of us were raised as young boys, not to show any emotion, especially from fathers. The mothers usually were okay with watching us cry, but you know, if you ever cried around your dad uh, or grandpa or something like that, you were told to suck it up. <laughs> Uh, so is this kind of why you went this direction? And the second part of this question, what have you noticed throughout some of your clients, some of the bigger struggles that society has dealt to men, I would say these last 20 years? Yeah. So that's actually exactly where the name come from, comes from, um, silent warriors, uh, because, you know, like Thoreau said, uh, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. 
um, and myself included, you know, growing up, like dealing with the anxiety and stuff. I always thought that there was like something wrong with me. I thought that like I was a weirdo. Um, and, you know, like you said, especially as a kid, you know, in, in middle school or, or high school, like the last thing you're going to do is want to like open yourself up and be vulnerable to a high school, other high school guys and be like, Hey, I'm really scared right now. You know, they'll just eat you alive. <laughs> so you hold, you hold it in, you know? Um, and then, and then same thing with a lot of the other, uh, issues and addictions and stuff that I dealt with. Um, you just, you, you feel like you said that you, you have to, you have to maintain a persona that, that everything's, everything's good. And, and you're, you're a strong, tough guy and you're not struggling with any, with anything. Um, but the more that I opened up and the more that I, um, started to be vulnerable and, and, um, talk to other men and expose my issues to other men, I started realizing, like you said, just how many other guys are dealing with a lot of the same things, you know, and it was like really eye opening to me to, to all of a sudden feel like, Oh, wow. Like I'm, I'm not alone. There's not, I'm not weird. You know, it's not just some sort of issue that I'm, that I'm struggling with. You know, it, it spans across the board um, in various aspects, uh, you know, and other men deal with this. And so that's kind of like I said, where the silent warriors thing came in because, you know, there's so, so often, um, like you said, especially as men, and that's the main reason that I—that's that kind of my focus—is that we we just suffer in silence, right? We have to feel like, like I said, we have to put the persona on, you know. Especially as a as a husband and a and a father and a provider, um, you know, I still find myself uh, being really closed off at times with my wife, and you know, she, obviously she can tell that something's going on and she's asking about it. But the last thing I want to do is add more stress to her plate by telling her like, I'm, I'm worried about this or, you know, these bills are stacking up or, or whatever, whatever it might be. So, you know, again, as men, we have this, this, uh, this tendency to, to keep things bottled up. Um, and then it, you know, it starts to reach a boiling point, and especially if you don't have an avenue like I do of running or, or something healthy to, uh, to get rid of that, that bottleneck. Um, you know, a lot of guys resort to, things that are unhealthy like alcohol or drugs or pornography or you know things that just tear them down um so that's that's kind of where my focus is 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 letting guys know like hey a you're not alone b there's a better way to deal with this and c you can have a much more fulfilled and and better life by you know accepting these issues and and working to overcome them um and then in answer to the second part of your question i think um you know, a lot, a lot of guys are dealing with, uh, and I don't know how much of it has to do like with, with the, the COVID thing and, and, uh, the stresses from that and, you know, just being not having to work as much or whatever. But, um, I talked to a lot of guys that deal with alcohol issues, um, even in my personal life and personal friends and stuff. Um, and that's not to say that, that they're necessarily alcoholics, um, but there's guys I, from my experience, generally speaking, if you are somebody that has to question whether you drink too much, then you're probably drinking too much because, you know, a quote unquote normal drinker doesn't question, you know, how many drinks they had or how often they're drinking or maybe they're drinking too much or what, you know, whatever. They just enjoy a couple drinks or a couple glasses of wine, you know, and, and that's it. And that's, there's no, no, no more thought to it. Right. Um, so that's that's one of the main things that I'm seeing a lot of is just guys that uh, you know feel like 
again, maybe they don't necessarily have uh, an addiction issue, but they're just using that uh, to mask or escape some other issues in their life. Um, and then when we're able to, to kind of pinpoint um, whether it's previous trauma or, or just current issues that they're going through, when we're able to pinpoint that and, um, and kind of put a focus on that and, and overcoming that, you know, then oftentimes if it's, if it's not a straight up addiction, then they're able to maintain a healthy relationship with alcohol after that. So have you noticed in, it seems like more recent with uh, men uh, with pornography, dating apps, social media, you name it, especially the, you know, the, the guys right out of high school, we could say, you know, 18 to 30, uh, they're not dating anymore. They're, you know, playing video games or doing whatever else doing. Have you noticed that becoming a more of a problem? I haven't um, personally talked to a whole lot of guys in that regard because most of the dudes I talk to are more like, I'll use the term middle age, um, <laughs> you know, like, like you and I, like early to early to mid forties or, or late thirties. Um, where does that classify me? I think you're still middle age, dude. Uh, you're pushing the, you're pushing no, the, you said early forties. So I'm... <laughs> caveat late thirties. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know where late thirties put you. I don't know if middle age is, is 40. Once you hit 40, I'm going to still go with I'm young. Not. <laughs> Guess it depends on where, what do you what are you anticipating your life expectancy to be oh my gosh if i keep then, going the rate that i'm going running the stupid <laughs> things i'm doing probably not very long <laughs> all right well then you're middle age <laughs> um, but uh in answer to your question yeah I, I mean that's that's no surprise right i mean especially and it's a fear that i have for, for my kids you know my my oldest is only nine but um in that i've already seen his addiction like straight up addiction to like YouTube and it's freaking frightening. Um, like I've tried to take his little iPad away from him and he's like, okay, go ahead. Can I watch YouTube on the TV? And as soon as I was like, nope, we can't watch YouTube. He's like lost his mind. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's not even like an addiction to your iPad. It's like an addiction to YouTube, you know? Um, so uh, it's not a surprise, you know, that, that that's becoming more prevalent and more of an issue. Um, you know, with younger kids, especially, you know, because you're basically, it's like, and, and, you know, that's not to say that it's necessarily uh, a problem for everyone. Um, because I, I think to a certain extent, some of that, some of that is sort of a natural thing. Um, but I don't think that it's a good habit to fall into. I know for myself that it definitely wasn't. Um, and then, you know, in, in talking to other guys and stuff that have addiction issues with that, um, it's it's a tough thing to kick because it's like a heroin addict walking around with a with a ball of freaking junk in their pocket, right? Like you literally, if you're a, a porn addict, you're walking around with your fix like in your pocket at any given moment that you're just having to fight off not going on on your phone and looking at, right? So um, I can see how that's tough. That's definitely interesting. That's the first that I've heard, um, but I'm not surprised about people, you know, like not even dating because they're just getting their their fix and their fulfillment from these online relationships i guess right yeah and you know i don't know if you know about much about the red pill theory um 
it, it seems like women expectations of men have changed and you've you could probably see that um with some of these you know middle-aged clients you're working with uh women have their expectations but men can't have their expectations of what they want from a woman um we get all the names called if we have a, our own expectations of a woman what we want in a woman but they can have their expectations you know a guy over six foot making six figures a year all those things but once a man turns around and says i want a traditional woman i want a stay-at-home mom all that stuff we get beat down so i i think that's kind of where it plays into because if you just keep getting told that and you're not that and you can have your phone or your computer or whatever it is and you can get that social interaction or you're if you're watching a lot of porn you don't necessarily need a woman or a relationship because you can get that taken care of by yourself that's just kind of what i i kind of see what what what's going on in the the younger men and it, it does go all the way up you know all the way up to middle age <clears throat> but another thing that you were talking about you you know <clears throat> excuse me you work with middle age mostly middle aged men uh you know for me once i found i get older i've got to know myself better as a lot of people should or do but a lot of these things in my 30s i didn't realize were problems till i was in my 40s even my mid 40s now uh it took a long time to go oh that is a problem i have a problem mm -hmm. with this do you kind of notice that with some of your clients that you're working with that now that they're coming of age and all these years have gone by and they're like, this is a problem now. You know, I think, um, especially speaking from my experience, um, I knew that I had a problem like using alcohol for, for example, for a long, long time. And I think, um, in talking to a, a lot of guys, uh, that I talked to, they know that they have a problem. Um, and they may have known for a while that they have a problem, but the hang up is in accepting that. Right. So, um, you know, as, as you maybe like, like you said, maybe you get a little bit older, um, and that problem starting to, to maybe compound or you're feeling like your life isn't quite where you want it to be or where, you know, by society standards where it should be. Uh, and then you start to do a little introspection, right? And you're like, well, you know, why am I feeling, why am I having these feelings of inadequacy or insufficiency or, you know, whatever it might be. And then it kind of all starts to loop back around to that addiction. Uh, and then that's where you start to really, you know, put it under the microscope and say, okay, well, maybe it's time to do something about it. Because for me, like I said, I can look back, you know, decades where I was again, writing in journals and stuff, questioning, um, my alcohol consumption and, and my relationship to alcohol and, and all that stuff. Um, and I grew up in an alcoholic family. So, I mean, before I even knew what alcohol was, I was, uh, being taken to, to, um, like Al-Anon type meetings, you know, where they were kind of teaching me about the dangers of alcohol and that sort of thing. So I almost in a sense grew up with this mentality that I needed to be a drunk in order to fulfill my, my prophecy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was kind of like, it's in my DNA. Um, I'm pre-programmed and like, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be in order to, to live up to the family standards, sort of, so to speak. Um, so, uh, and I, ma I made a post about this a while back. I, I, I've been getting really frustrated lately 
um, talking to these guys who, uh, you know, are disclosing these issues that they have. Um, and, and yet they're not, they'll say like, yeah, I want to get on your program. Yeah. I can see how, how this would really help me. You know, I really need help with X, Y, and Z, but then they won't commit to it. And I was getting super, super frustrated about it. Um, and then I had to, you know, really kind of take a look in the mirror and realize how long, like I said, I went on that path of just like knowing that I needed help and not being able to bring myself to accepting that I had an issue and I needed to get help, you know? Um, and once I kind of realized that, like, man, it t- it's taken me a long time to get where I am um, through sobriety and, and self-reflection and, and, you know, just, I mean, even before I got sober, I was on like a, a self-awareness or, you know, like I was reading like Deepak Chopra and, you know, all these like self-help books, so to speak. Um, so I've been on this journey of like, of, of being in touch, so to speak with, with, uh, things that are going on in my life and, and the way that I perceive things and the way that I think about things and how my thoughts, you know, reflect into my actions and just all, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but again, it, it took me years and years and years of knowing that I had a problem before I finally stepped up and got sober and accepted, you know, sobriety as that's my future path, you know? Yeah. I, I, I took on the sobriety path, uh, last November. So I've been sober uh, about eight months now, a little over eight months. Good job. Uh, thank you. Uh, alcohol and cannabis were my, my two things, cannabis more than the alcohol. Um, but the alcohol definitely magnified the cannabis juice, uh, cause the cannabis would only do so much than I would drink. Then they would just sit there and play off each other. You talked about the first time you quit. Um, how long did you, how long was your sobriety before you relapsed? Um, well, it's, it's tough for me to call it a relapse because I was cognizant of the fact that I was going to start drinking again and I was okay with it. Um, so I, uh, in 2007, uh, I got in some legal issues. Um, and so my, I was looking at, uh, like some time in prison and, um, my parents coughed up some money to help me get an attorney. Um, and, my mom came in to ask me about, you know, what was going on and whatnot. And I'm like, I don't even know how I got here. And she's like, well, it's pretty obvious that, you know, you start drinking and you stop thinking and everything that you're dealing with right now is a result of, of your drinking. So that would be my suggestion on the first place that you look. Right. And so I'm like, fair enough, you know, you're right. Um, and so I basically initially stopped drinking for them um, because I, I tried to like manage it. Um, after that, and I'd go out with friends and stuff. And at the time I was 27, I was single, you know, so partying was like my life style. Um, and, and so I was still, I was still going out with friends and stuff and I'd have a couple beers and was able to maintain that. And, and, but then I felt guilty. Um, and so, like I said, I stopped drinking for, for them because they were coughing up this money to try and get me out of these legal issues that my stupid decisions after being drunk and high and stuff had caused. Uh, and I was sober for eight months and then, um, that's like I said, when I started working out and running and stuff and got in really good shape. And then I went to Mazelon with a couple of friends and they had these, you know, these buckets of ice cold Coronas <laughs> on, on the beach. And I'm like, 
man, that looks delicious. And, and they're like, but you've been sober for eight months, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I you know, I wasn't doing it for like chips and, and long-term sobriety. I was just, I got, I stopped drinking cause it wasn't working in my life at the time. And as long as I don't go back to the, the way I was partying before, you know, I'm okay with it. So, um, we crack some beers and stuff and, and, uh, I mean, straight off the deep end, I, I think it was, you know, we, that was like the second day we were there or something. And then by the third day I had met some random dude and we were like hunting down some cocaine or something from some random dude in Mexico. So it was like, you know, pretty crazy. And my friends were like, what in the hell are you doing, dude? You know? Um, so I was sober for eight months and then I, I started drinking again and, uh, and hold on one second. Sorry. Dogs out here trying to disrupt us. <laughs> um, and so then, yeah, so I, I stopped drinking and, and, um, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I, uh, you know, was able to maintain in the sense that I wasn't going off the deep end, you know, like I had been and getting in legal trouble and stuff. So, um, and then, uh, fast forward, you know, I guess probably 10 years or something, I met my wife and, and, um, and then I, I stopped drinking for good or what I hope is for good, uh, and, and really took my sobriety seriously in, uh, 2018. Nice. Congrats. The reason, the reason I kind of wanted to ask that question, my story is kind of similar. I, I was on a job that drug tested and, you know, there'd be times where I'm like, I'm just going to quit, but I never wanted to quit for myself. So same kind of thing with you. I, I, I wanted to ask that question because in the sober community, you hear a lot of these stories of that continuous loop of, quitting relapsing whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. just thinking that you can you know well if i just do it saturday and sunday or if i just pick friday (laughs) i'm sure you've heard all that um i've I've been through all that too (laughs) yeah i think i think you know if you talk to any anybody in recovery they've all got that same story but what i notice is that loop gets worse and worse every single time Uh, i wanted to know if if it got worse for you, you, you kind of mentioned that, you know, by the second day you're looking for cocaine after being eight months sober. So, you know, once we open the gate for one thing, the gate gets open for everything. But did you notice that loop continually getting worse and worse in your mind of, I keep doing this and I can't control it. And it's taking me here. Then it's taking me there. I think uh, mentally, it became uh, more difficult, so to speak, um, with regard to like the usage and stuff and and narcotics and things like that. Like it definitely got better from when I was in my earlier years and just freaking going nuts, um, you know? Um, And then especially, you know, helping my, or meeting my wife definitely helped. Um, And I, I, thank God that I at least had the wherewithal because I had a lot of friends, you know, growing up and stuff that, you know, got addicted to friggin' meth and just all kinds of bad stuff. And I thank God that I at least had the wherewithal, you know, to not get involved in that. Like, I mean, I've, I've tried a bunch of stuff, um, but you know, I, I never got addicted to that. Um, and I, I thank God for that because that's just nasty stuff. Um, but I noticed, you know, as I, as I got a little older, um, before I quit this last time, um, it definitely, you know, like you said, there was definitely that thought of like, I need to quit. I tried to quit on multiple times, multiple occasions. 
um, I'd go, you know, a couple of weeks or a month and I'd feel great. And then I'd be like, Oh, it's taco Tuesday. We should have a couple beers, you know? And then, uh, and then I'd have a couple Corona's or a six pack of Corona with my tacos. And then when they would roll around and I'm like, well, I drank last night, so I may as well drink tonight, you know? And then I'd stop the liquor store and grab a six pack or whatever. And, and, uh, and then before I knew it, I'd, I'd been blacked out drunk on the couch, you know, for the last month and a half straight every night. Um, and so the, just the mental aspect of, of knowing, like you said, knowing like, hey, I need to stop this. And then that battle of like good and evil, so to speak, um, got more and more difficult um, because I think uh, as you create the awareness of it being a problem that you need to face and overcome, um, those demons start to talk a little bit louder to, to keep you dragged into that right and so then you have this internal battle in your mind of like the good and the evil like i said so to speak uh and that that wears on you even more than when you're just you know ignorantly in your addiction right because um you're just partying and having fun and enjoying it and not caring so to speak um but then when you have that sort of aha moment um and knowing that you need to quit but not being able to quit that's brutal yeah uh I have a great sober community that is open communication 24 seven. And as you, you know, you were talking about how you're getting a little frustrated with some of your clients or people, you know, until they make that decision that they want to do it. All we can be there is support what's easy for us or the, the reason we chose and, you know, for me, I'm pretty strong-minded. So when I do something, I guess that comes from running and just being <laughs> being in, you know, my mind all the time that I can just go to it. I had to come to realize too, within the solo community, you have to be there supporting because it's so hard for some people. They don't have all the tools. And if they, they're on the fence, off the fence, on the fence, off the fence, it's an emotional roller coaster. And yeah. when you're trying to be there to support them, as you know, it starts taking your mental health kind of down with it too, if you let it, uh, because you just want them to do what's right. And one thing I've learned is I kind of have to back off and be there to support them, have that line open. You know, a lot of people, I don't like to use this word, but I'm going to use this word uh, trigger. A lot of people get triggered off some things and it's crazy for alcoholics that get in their car that hide their alcoholism on their way home from work. How big of a struggle that is once they get in their car and they drive past that liquor store, that convenience store to stop and get something. And sometimes in my mind, I'm like, don't stop there. Just don't stop at the fucking store. Right. But there's so much more to it. It's so hard. And I, I can, I can understand where, you kind of where you have your your dealings with people because I have those dealings too and I had to take a step back too and just go how can I be here to help right. you know my my first thing always is is what can I do to help you because uh, if you can't get them to open up and start the fight you can't be there with them uh, so what did you did you do AA or anything or did you? I did. Yeah. 
and that was uh, <clears throat> that was really hard for me because you know like I said um, my mom was taking me to, to AA classes you know before I even knew what AA or alcohol was and so to be completely honest like I held a lot of resentment toward her um, for a long time uh, you know and as I was in kind of the heights of my addiction in my early 20s and late 20s and stuff my mom would tell me all the time like I got a seat for you at my meeting when you're ready to end this shit, you know, <laughs> and I'd be like, they used to just bug the heck out of me. Right. And, um, and so AA and the thought of going to AA, I, I wouldn't do it just because I didn't want to give my mom like that satisfaction, you know? Um, and that's stupid, but that's the honest truth of it. I, I like couldn't swallow my pride and my ego enough, um, to accept that I needed that. Um, and like I said, I tried to, to overcome it myself, um, for a long time. Um, and, and then when I got sober, uh, in 2018, I just, and I, and I'd gone to meetings prior to that, trying to, trying to get sober and get help getting sober. Um, and, and it was funny because when I'd go to those meetings, like this makes it any better. I would introduce myself as an addict, not an alcoholic, as if that sounds any better, you know? Um, <laughs> But then, and, and I finally accepted it and, uh, and, you know, walked into those rooms and was, my name's Greg and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And, you know, and, and, um, I started working the steps and found a sponsor and, and, um, and this was, like I said, in 2018. So I went to meetings up until COVID hit. And then, um, when COVID hit, uh, and they kind of took everything down and put it all online and everything else, I, I kind of stopped going. Um, but it definitely, you know, helped me accept that I had an issue. Um, like you said, it's great to have that community around you to, to hear other people's stories. And again, know that you're not alone, that there's, you know, there's not necessarily anything wrong with you in the sense of, of, uh, of, you know, being some weirdo that you're, you're the only one that's affected by this and that sort of thing. Um, so it definitely helped me get and stay sober for that first couple of years for sure. I always tell people this is the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. Just getting sober. That's a, it's a hard one. Yeah. So I wanted to pass something by you that something that I've been going through lately. Uh, I've been very active my whole life ever since I was five and got on the bike. I, I've been active. Uh, you know, I was that kid that wanted to ride his bike for 10 hours a day and everyone else wanted to break, but not me. The street lights are come on are on. Come inside now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is fun riding in the dark. Uh, I was uh I was using when I found running. Uh I used all the way up till, you know, last year while I was running. A few breaks are in there. Once I became sober, I started really struggling with my running. Uh and this this started happening about, to be honest, about three weeks ago, where I started to find that I was replacing one addiction with another addiction with running. And let alone healthy running being healthy, it's not always healthy replacing one addiction with another. And for me, it got real. It got really real. Because I'd go out on these rounds, out on the trail. I could be lost in my own mind. Then I'd get back to my car or home and this wave of anxiety would hit and it would hit me really hard. Um, almost to a panic attack where I'd get, you know, such so anxious. And, you know, when you have anxiety, it's over 
nothing really mm-hmm. or it can be some things so i told myself take a step back and stop running come home sit with your thoughts work on your own things because you know we can get on the trails for three or four hours and i could just be lost i wouldn't even be thinking about my emotions i listen to music or podcast and taking in all that but when i had when i told myself to stop running and go sit with those thoughts and work through those thoughts you know because if you've been using i started using when i was 16 and when i stopped using i still had those 16 year old emotions right um so i'm still dealing with those emotions that i have never dealt with most of my adult life so what are your thoughts on replacing uh, addiction with another addiction, it being healthy or not? <clears throat> Excuse me, not being healthy, what people assume as being healthy or to better yourself? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's kind of a catch-22, right? Because, uh, I mean, it's it's easy to say that I did the same thing. And, um, and for me, uh, and, and again, I... I don't know how much this relates or spans across with, with other addicts, but um, I found that, you know, they, they talk about it being like a, a chemical imbalance and like a, a brain imbalance and stuff like that. Um, and the reality of that hit me. I told this story when I was talking to Aaron. Um, so you may have already heard this, but um, the reality of that hit me when, when I quit drinking, I started eating a lot of ice cream. Um, <laughs> and I'd, so I was going through like a pint of Ben and Jerry's a day uh, at night. You know, I'd come home and instead of drinking, I'd, you know, be chilling out after dinner and I'd just start cracking in the ice cream. Well, it got to the point like after like a year of that where I'm like, I need to stop freaking eating so much ice cream. And, and I literally had the same battle that I had when I was trying to stop drinking in my mind with not, with not eating ice cream and it was freaking insane we're like i'm like i'm not gonna eat ice cream tonight and i'd get home you know from work and we'd have dinner and then the little voice in my head would start in oh it's time for ice cream gotta get your ice cream i'm like nope i'm not gonna eat ice cream tonight and there was one night where like i fought it off until like nine o'clock and, my, and then i'm like i'll be back my wife's like where are you going i'm like i'm going to the store i need some ice cream she's like dude it's nine o'clock at night you know, what are you doing? And I, luckily the store's close i race down to the store and i freaking go inside i grab my two pints of ben and jerry's and i was literally like jonesing like i could not wait to get back home and tear into that ice cream if i had a spoon with me i probably would have started eating it in the car on the way home and it was like just this full-on eye-opening moment for me in terms of like how deeply rooted that addiction um sort of mentality runs in my mind um so that was kind of a long-winded answer to your question uh in the sense of i definitely know what you're saying um i've definitely had my wife tell me like oh you just you just gave up drinking and and switched your addiction to running um because i and it goes kind of across the board for me i'm i'm i don't really have a moderation switch with much of anything I'm like all or nothing. So I'm, and even when I was like training um, and, and riding and running, um, I had a really hard time like balancing the two. I was either all in on cycling and mountain biking. And I'd be like in the garage every morning doing friggin' repeats on my, on my trainer, you know, trying to get stronger as a cyclist. Uh, and I wasn't really running at all. And then I would do like, you know, 
three to six months of that. And then I'd be like, I want to start running. And then I'd be all in on running. Um, and the same thing goes like with my diet. My wife's always like, you can't like, you have to always be on like this rigid program because when I'm not, um, it's, I, I don't know. I just have this tendency of like, you know, like if I have one Oreo, I have to finish the whole freaking sleeve of Oreos. I can't just have like one. I'm like, wow, that was really good. And like my brain just like will not let me accept like it's I thought cool that was, if you just have one, dude. I thought that was normal though. Like there's sleeves, like there's only three yeah, servings of Oreos in the deal. Yeah, right? you're supposed to eat that whole <laughs> yeah, one, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it is kind of it is kind of a touchy subject, right? Like how how um how do you balance or accept, I guess, if you will, um, just giving up an addiction, yet letting fitness or, or whatever it might be, the, this healthy alternative become your new addiction. And my response to that is, if it's not creating an issue in your life, in the sense of you're ne not neglecting other priorities, you're not, you know, it's not making you neglect your family or feel like you're, you know, not being the best husband or father or wife or mother or sister or whatever it is um that in the sense of causing problems like that then honestly i don't i don't think that uh having a, a healthy addiction is a is an issue in my opinion um i think as you guys have probably both you know recognized and and seen uh with yourselves and and throughout the ultra world you know there's a lot to be gained by putting ourselves in these situations um and that can translate to other areas and aspects of, their, of our lives. Right. So um, I'm definitely like a firm believer of the whole Goggins thing of like putting yourself in crappy and, and difficult situations, um, you know, to build that mental resilience. Um, so again, if it's, if it's an, an, an addiction uh, and it's healthy and it's not necessarily like, creating other issues in your life or causing you to neglect other areas of your life. And, um, you're not just like completely out of whack. Like, uh, like my wife, there's been times where my wife's like, you, you're 40, you know, whatever years old, do you think you're going to be a professional runner? And I'm like, no, I just really enjoy running. You know, <laughs> she's like, you're, you can't just like go out and go for a couple of miles. And I'm like, no, there's like, I'm not like one of those casual enthusiasts. I'm, just not in my dna you know like when i'm in it i'm in it and i'm like long runs and training programs and diets to help me run better and she's like you're a friggin' weirdo <laughs> um, but uh again i i wake up you know super early i'm very cognizant of the fact that like i don't i don't want like this hobby that is a very selfish hobby um to interfere with my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my kids and, and my um, responsibilities around the house and that sort of thing. So uh, I wake up super early and I do my best to like not have uh, my training and stuff uh, interfere with, with the areas of, of my life in terms of my family, not only like for their sake, but also I feel like a, like FOMO and, you know, if I'm out, like there's times where my wife's like, don't worry about it, just go run. And I'll go out on a run or whatever. And I'm, I'm on my, my run, like wondering like, man, what am I missing at home? I wonder what they're doing at home, you know? Um, so it's, t it's tough for me too, at times to accept like, oh, I'm supposed to go on like a freaking four hour run today. How am I going to get that in and not, you know, not feel like I'm missing out on 
what the family's doing and stuff. So, um, I don't know. I think that answered your question. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I guess for me, it was, uh, still is, is I got work to do and I can't cross running and the work on myself to do. Uh, I talked with some of my, um, uh, my tribe in the sober community and they mentored, mentioned, started doing my runs with intention. That's what I was going to say. Um, they said, you know, pick a topic, pick whatever, whatever struggles going on right now and have that in your mind. Even if you got to turn the music and the podcast off and be dead silence. So once I do get started back to running, which I need to, you know, I, I need to do just because I do have that FOMO not being on the trails, especially, you know, watching people race and other stuff, you know, I can get on YouTube and watch people out on the trails all day long. So so I'm not the only weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I do the same thing. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start in, you know, kind of through all this, you know, if you listen to self-help coaches, a lot of them say, you know, it's that muscle memory, muscle memory, the same thing with addiction. Uh, Don't go full in, you know, take some step backs, you know, start with the three mile run, see if you can work through some things on that, pick one intention and slowly build back up, which is going to be damn hard for me. Cause I just like to go out and, you know, get those four hour runs in or whatever, enjoy myself out in the Hills. Yeah. So that, that's going to be my next way is to start running with intention and slowly get my, my way back into it where I don't feel this overwhelming uh, sense of anxiety when I get back. And what do you I, think that what sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but what do well, you, what you, do you, think? you you were gonna ask that I know you're gonna ask that question I was gonna say I don't I ask myself why and you know when the anxiety comes on you can't sometimes it's so bad you can't think through it uh because all you want to do is just get that rid of that anxiety so you know breathing techniques stuff like that I'll do so I I there's something down deep that I have to figure out and I just don't know what that is yet um it could be traumas um with my ex-wife stuff like that uh you know spending lots of time out on the trails Uh, that was gonna be my question is do you feel like there's other areas in your life that you potentially uh maybe whether uh you're aware of it or not might be neglecting and so when you get back from these long runs, the anxiety kicks in because you're kind of beating yourself up in the sense of like, you just spent four hours out on the trail rather than focusing that four hours on, you know, building your business or whatever, whatever other areas of your life you feel like you should be putting time into. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's definitely that. I just can't pinpoint what that is. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Cause it could be multiple different things when I get back from the run. Um, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does, but it's kind of odd that this really didn't start happening until I became sober. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when I, when I was still using, when I'd run, I'd always be high as shit. So, you know, <laughs> once I got back from the run, I was just like, let me get another that couple hits great, off. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me get another couple hits off that vape pen. I'll go eat some food and sit down, watch some TV, then go to bed. 
so you know once you get you get put in place to deal with this it becomes a whole different uh whole different game yeah so you mentioned breathing techniques do you practice yoga or not yoga meditation so this is a so what I was using back in 2014 after uh, my divorce, I started meditating. I, that's when I started doing my breath work. Um, I was journaling, you know, all this, all that stuff. Um, and I continued all the way till I became sober because once I became sober, I started feeling those were just something that I was just doing. It was part of my routine. Right. Um, the journaling wasn't helping because I would write fake shit in my journal just to get done journaling because I didn't want to journal. Right, it just became a checklist. hundred percent, just a checklist. And, and that was another thing. I'm like, um, the meditation can, you know, go places. Uh, some can be better than others. Uh, I just kind of quit the whole breath work for me. The breath work is the, the best thing I can do, uh, to get some release. And I just stopped. I'm like, just stop. That's what I told myself. Just stop. You know, being sober is enough right now. Take one second, one minute, one hour, one day at a time, just to make sure you stay sober. And it's still, you know, that, that work we have to put in to be sober daily. So I, that became overwhelming. Just that whole being sober part became super overwhelming. And I didn't feel like any of that stuff was giving me any benefit. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to some other people and they say the same things um, because a lot in the sobriety world, you know, they're like journal, meditate. Right. right. Uh, and yeah, it definitely can start to become overwhelming and feel like like just a task, just tasks that you are, are tasked with and have to check off for your for your, uh, you know, mental health on a daily routine, you know? Yeah. And, and that's that's what I was doing. And I, I wasn't I didn't feel I was getting any benefit. Then when I became sober, I realized it. So I told myself that I need to cut the same kind of with the running is slowly bring that back in with intention. Uh, I started bringing the breath work back in because, I mean, you know, breath work and uh, cold exposure do wonders wonders for my mental health. Um, You know, getting that cold shower in the morning can change my whole day sometimes. Mm -hmm. Same with the breath work. You know, if I wake up and do breath work with intention. It's good. I just have to get myself out of that rut of just checking off the daily task list. Right. Right. The reason I asked about the meditation is because, um, you know, when you're meditating, you have to, for me, and I'm sure just about everybody else, you're constantly battling, you know, your thoughts, right. And you always have to circle back around to the breath and try and close out, you know, be aware of, of the thought that's there, but then just circle back around and focus on the breath. Um, and I was just going to correlate that to your, your mindfulness running. Um, you know, w- when you pick a topic or a thought that you maybe want to try and focus in on for that run, you know, obviously as you're running, your mind's probably going to be freaking racing off to a hundred different places. So you're probably going to have to try and focus at, or, or do your best, you know, to use it like a meditation practice where you're, you know, accepting like, oh, wow, look at that bird over there. But then circling back around to like that, you know, whether it be one key word um, or whatever it is, you know, you're probably just going to have to keep drawing yourself back into that loop of like, this is where my focus is. Oh, waterfall. This is where my focus is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. It would almost be like a, a running meditation kind of. 
so you know for me uh, running has always been that getting in that flow state um some of the best decisions i've made have been in long runs where i get in that flow state and this is what i was using i'd battle something out and i'd get done with that run and i'd have the decision already made after becoming sober they it wasn't that easy um i think there's just too much going on in my head now <laughs> so yeah. but i like i like we were saying come you know come back around with the the running and get uh you know bringing it back and i'm not going to constantly have to do that bring it back bring it back um because flower tree <laughs> a, a leaf blown across the trail can always right. take my mind off mountain lion mountain lion <laughs> wanted to see a mountain lion you know yeah no I, yeah uh, go ahead i was just gonna say i i definitely um i know what you mean in terms of like um all those things like just sort of becoming tasks right like i've been practicing and i say practicing because that's exactly what it is meditation for probably a decade or more um and you know that's why fitness uh and especially like strength training and stuff but running as well it's so nice when you're trying to create these new habits and, and build kind of build yourself back up because it's a tangible thing right when you train for three months running you can see like wow i could barely run two miles when i started and now i can do a 10k you know what i mean like it's it's tangibly you could you could feel it you could see it with with meditation and mindfulness like for me i i believed in it because of you know all these really successful and powerful people that you know that, that swore by it and everything else so it's like taking vitamins like i'm sure they're good for me but i don't notice anything by taking all these vitamins right <laughs> i'm just yeah. hoping that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing behind the scenes and that's kind of how it was for meditation for me for a long time and then i had this moment where it like clicked and i'm like holy crap it does work um where i had like stopped meditating for i don't know like a, a few weeks or something and i noticed <clears throat> that i was being way more short-tempered with my kids my voice just like snapping on them like left and right you know uh and then i started meditating again and i noticed that my like that had mellowed out and i'm like oh my god like there's a direct correlation there with regard to like my patience you know, when I'm practicing that meditation every morning versus when I'm not in terms of how I'm responding to, to my voice. And it was like, just like this full on aha moment, because like I said, up until that point, I was just sort of like, you know, doing what I felt I should be doing every morning, hoping that it was working or doing something for me, you know, and then to have that like click and be like, wow, it really is working. Um, you know, it was pretty rad. But uh, to your point, I mean, I had like this laundry list of a morning routine, right? That I felt like I had to do from, you know, listening to different podcasts and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, like you said, journaling and, and reading and writing and all this stuff, my breath work, like my Wim Hof breathing and my meditation and all this stuff. And dude, it got so overwhelming. Um, and then I noticed that when I got out and just ran or worked out in the morning, my day felt a hundred times better and so i kind of like you said had to take a step back and just really focus in on like what is this doing for me uh and my mental health and everything else and, and really just kind of tweak that morning routine to pull a few things out and find the essential things that that made my day um you know extremely better yeah yeah it's, you know 
all this is part of the journey. It's the way I take it. You know, yeah. universe is speaking. Uh, I know what's right in my heart. This is what I want to do. So it's just hard to put all that together and stay consistent. You know, a yeah. lot of a lot of troubles with, you know, runners or people that are just doing anything um trying to get better at is consistency. Uh yeah. That's a struggle. It's it's a real struggle to stay consistent. You know, as Goggins, you know, get up and, you know, put yourself in a bad place and work through it in the morning or whenever you choose to. It can just beat you down without you knowing to at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the balance is the big thing. And if you can't keep that balanced, um, one's going to weigh heavier than the other. And if you continue to continue to let it, you know, stay unbalanced, uh, I feel like sometimes it's a digger hole. You have to deep, dig yourself out of, uh, especially with mental health. Uh, you can let it get way bad. Then that hole is a lot deeper to dig yourself out. So I just got to find the right balance. Yeah, that's tough, especially as somebody that, uh, you know, from my experience, trying to find balance is definitely difficult because, like I said, I'm typically like an all or nothing kind of guy, um, you know. And so having any sort of balance uh, it, it has been hard. Um, I will say the the one thing that, that uh, I, I struggle with and still struggle with, but I've gotten a lot better with consistency. That's been like a really huge hurdle for me for a long time to the point where like I had this running joke that I was consistently inconsistent. Um, you know, because like, especially with the training and stuff, it was like, I'd just be killing it, you know, gain my fitness back and, you know, be on, you know, on the bike or whatever. And, and, uh, my friends are like, man, you're doing good or whatever, you know? And then I just stop and then friggin' lose it all. And it was like, just an exhausting and frustrating back and forth. And I was just consistently inconsistent. Um, but the one thing that I will tell you, uh, to be very uh, present and aware of is how much you're beating yourself up about all of it. Um, because I am and was and am really good at that as well. Uh, just in many different fashions. So give yourself some grace with all the, all the stuff that you're going through. Yeah. You know, that, that story will just keep playing over and over until you change that story. Changing that story. It's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is hard but you know once you start to change that story or start looking at stuff through a different lens everything gets a little easier definitely uh so i kind of want to transition out of all this uh sobriety talk <laughs> thank you for being vulnerable with that because uh, <laughs> i know how hard it is and uh you know i think some of our listeners can listen to this and also reflect on themselves um, because I think it's important as you know I was saying I replaced one thing with another you kind of did the same thing with ice cream we're still going through this constant battle there'll be a lifelong battle Uh Um, thank you I just wanted to say thank you because I know how hard it is to be open and vulnerable uh, talking about this stuff because no one likes to talk about it yeah, well, nobody's gonna um, benefit from me not being vulnerable about it. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody wants to judge me on it, then 
so be it, you know, look at yourself in the mirror, but the, the people that, uh, this might touch with, uh, you know, then that's what it's all about. Right. Even if it's just one person that's like, wow, man, I can really relate to what that dude's saying. Maybe I should, you know, look at myself a little bit closer and make some changes in my life. Then that's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I wanted to ask you, where do you want to see your, uh, your coaching business go? Um, well, I would really like to, uh, to be able to do that full time, obviously would be a huge goal of mine. Um, but more than anything, um, I just want to, you know, be able to help dudes, uh, create better lives for themselves because I know how miserable it is, um, to be tied down by those addictions and those feelings of, of, uh, insufficiency and, and wanting to, wanting to do more and be better uh, and not feeling like you have the avenue to do that or know how to do that or whatever. And it's just, it's a miserable place to, to live. Um, and so my goal, you know, is to, to just help as many dudes out of that as I can, because like I said, I've been there and it's not a fun place to, to find yourself. So, so uh, um, what makes your, your coaching business different from others as a motivation? Um, well, I, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing is that it just, it's like extremely customizable in terms of, of what they need. Um, you know, like, uh, primal run coaching rights, running programs. And, and I believe maybe some nutrition stuff, right? Yes. So, you know, be happy to, to do that as well. But, um, you know, again, my main focus is really just on, um, like restructuring people's habits and like the whole mindset aspect of it. Um, and then the fitness kind of comes in, like I said, as more of, of something to help build that self-confidence. Um, because so often, um, people that are struggling with anxiety and, and addictions and things like that, one of the areas and issues and things that they face is, is a low uh, self-esteem or just, you know, negative talk in their head. Um, and the, the easiest way to, to start to defeat that is to give yourself small victories, right? So every day that you wake up and you go to the gym or every day that you wake up and you run like you told yourself you were going to do, you start to shut that voice up a little bit one day at a time, right? Um, so my program, um, while it is mostly geared toward, uh, mindset and discipline and, and, um, and creating habits to, to better people's lives. Um, there, there is a focus that's typically if they're willing to rooted in, um, writing them a, a fitness program, um, whether it be gym or running or strength and running. Um, and then on top of that, you know, just really dialing in their macros and their nutrition, um, because again, typically, uh, when you're living an unhealthy lifestyle, it, it usually spans the board. Um, and so there's going to be a big benefit, um, especially with the results that you're going to see from your training by changing up your diet as well. So, um, in answer to your question, my program is different in the sense that like, it's not just a strength training. I'm not just like a fitness coach or, you know, a, a personal trainer. Um, and I'm not just a running coach. Um, I'll do nutrition, strength training programs, running programs. Um, I can do cycling programs if they want to. 
Um, and then really, um, just like an accountability, uh, mindset type coach to help them get through their, whatever it is that they're dealing with that, that they need to change. This sounds really, uh, I really like this. This is, you're kind of standing alone right now. Um, with this way you're looking at it in my opinion because you know a lot of times you go to a coach and it's uh something specific running cycling fitness diet nutrition but you're taking a step back and let's let's rewire your your programming and start from there and start adding some little things to it to improve your life give you small victories uh keep you motivated to want more and keep driving further. Uh, right. I think this is, this is a really good, good way to look at uh, a coaching model and, you know, start with the hard shit first and let's build off that. And again, that really just depends on where somebody's at, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, if that's the issues that they're facing and they come to me and they're like, I need help because I'm drinking too much, then like, yeah, that's where we're going to start. Right. But if somebody doesn't have any, an addiction issue or an issue with drinking or, or, you know, they're not really struggling in that sense. They're like, I got a great job. I got a great marriage. I'm an excellent father. You know, I'm going to call bullshit first of all, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, There's always room to be better. Um, But you know, and they're just like, I just feel fat and out of shape. Cool, dude. Let's just get you a fitness program and dial in your nutrition. You know what I mean? Or, or they're like, I've been running for the last year and I don't feel like, you know, I'm making any gains or I really want to go do a 50 K or whatever. Okay, cool. Like let's just dial in a good running program for you and get you trained up for that 50 K. So, um, again, it's, it's, it's the mindset depending on if that's what they need. Um, but if somebody's like, I just want you to write me a running program because I want to go do a 50 miler, then I'll, you know, be happy to do that as well. You know, at the end of the day, the, the mindset comes into, all that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> whether, you know, you're a seasoned athlete or not, there's some uh, mindset involved, especially when you get involved in this crazy longer endurance stuff we like to do. Yeah, for sure. So we didn't uh, mention about your running yet. What, uh, what got you into ultra running? Um, really just that, uh, kind of desire to, to push myself. Right. You know, you, I started out, like I said, back in 2007, it was funny because when I, when I was growing up, like playing soccer and stuff uh, as a kid, like my son's age and whatever else, um, I played goalie because I didn't want to run. Um, and then like all through high school, I surfed and skated and smoked a bunch of weed and drank and stuff. And, and I'd always joke around and be like, the only time you're going to catch me running is if the cops are chasing me or something <laughs> stupid like that. Right. Um, so then when I started running, it was just like, the hell is wrong with me? What am I doing? You know? Um, but like I said, I, I started out and it was like a couple of miles. Um, so I was never, I was like, I was always like in shape, so to speak, you know, because like I said, I was active. I, I surfed and I skated and, you know, rode mountain bikes a little here and there or whatever. So I was never really like just fully out of shape guy. Um, I rode motocross for a long time. So that, you know, kept me in, in pretty good shape. Um, but then, like I said, I started running, was able to do a couple miles and then, and then uh, I signed up for a 10K <clears throat> and I did that. Um, 
and just got my ass kicked because I didn't realize that there was like, you know, 2,500 feet of elevation or something in this 10K. And I'd been training on like all the flat trails around my house. Uh, and then I did a, I signed up for a half marathon. And uh, again, that was like this mountainous half marathon here locally. And I'm at the start line lined up with these dudes and, and it's, you know, the longest I'd ever run. And they're like, I'd rather do a marathon than this half. Like this, this half marathon is gnarly. And I'm like, Oh God, what did I get myself into? Um, and, and then it just, yeah, you know, it just like any other addict, it just progresses. And it's like, you know, how can I make myself hurt a little more? Um, and just striving to, you know, to, to push my, myself, my mind and my body and see, uh, see how far I can go, I guess. What, what distances have you ran so far? Um, I've like technically like race wise, uh, my longest race at this point was a 50 K I've done some longer stuff, like just adventure type stuff past that. Um, I have a 50 mile coming up, uh, in October that I actually, I was signed up for a hundred miler, um, was going to be my first hundred in June. And then I had some leg issues, um, where I basically couldn't run for all of March and most of April. Um, and then, I'm like slowly started getting back to running and I'm like, dude, this hundred milers like a month out. <laughs> oh, there's no way. <laughs> so I rolled that to, to this 50 miler. They were cool enough to let me roll that registration to this 50 miler they have at the end of October. So, um, that's what I'm training for right now. Um, and, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Nice. When, uh, when are you going to go for that hundred? I, um, I'm actually signed up or on the wait list for Angeles Crest for 2024 because okay. they canceled the 2023. I was on the wait list for, for this year, and I guess they canceled it because uh, I think there's some landslides or something that shut down access to the course. Um, so I just got an email from them and, and signed up for the 2024 uh, wait list. Um, but I was looking at it. I feel like I'm pretty deep on that wait list, so I don't know whether I'm going to get into that. But that'd be a cool one um, to do. Uh, so in answer to your question, um, hopefully by, by, uh, I want to, I'd like to find something remotely close to home here in Southern California, um, and, and try and get it done before, before next summer. Nice. nice. Um, geez, I just lost my train of thought to <laughs> start thinking hundred milers. <laughs> it's always on the mind, right? Oh my gosh. For I sure. I know. What uh, 50 mile are you running? It's called Samo, Santa Monica Mountain 50 miler or something like that. It's the Samo 50. And the one I was going to do was the Samo 100. So I don't know if you can, you guys probably can't see that far, but. Oh, yeah. There's right there. Mountain range right up there. And uh, that's the Santa Monica Mountains. And, and it runs from, I'm like, I ran to the beach on Saturday. I'm, uh, I think nine miles to the beach and so the um, backbone trail is 67 miles through the santa monica mountains and it starts in the palisades down on the southern end of of the or i guess would be the eastern end anyways it runs all the way from like along the ridge to the to the beach down here by my house um and so part of the the course is on that nice so you just get to run from home huh yeah, maybe not for the race because it starts at the other well, end. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I literally training wise. I run, yeah, I run from my house down to that's uh, that 
peak I showed you is Boney Mountain. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm super blessed to just be able to like literally leave my door and, and be at a trailhead in, in less than a mile. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be something to be grateful for because a lot of people got to drive an hour. Yeah. Half hour. I, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not the, the big mountains of the Sierras or the San Juans or anything like that that I, I always am longing for, but it's it does the trick. Yeah, I bet. You know, when I uh, lived in Flagstaff, I could, uh, it was about three miles to the trails. I was mountain biking then. And those trails up there in Flagstaff were just something different. And I was always so happy I could just leave and get on my bike and be on the trails, you know, 15, 20 minutes and go ride all day, then ride home and didn't have to get in the car for any of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I can literally just walk up my street that direction and it crosses one street and goes up a cul-de-sac like less than a quarter mile and there's a trail. So I mean, I could literally walk up to the trails and then run and only cross roads and run, you know, pretty much as, as far as my little heart desires. <laughs> nice. Do you have any uh, aspirations to do the whole, the whole 67 miles? Yeah, I actually want to try and uh, see if I can snag the FKT of the out and back of that. Um, Cause there's no way I can, I'm not, fast i'm not a speedster uh and the guys that that uh have the fkt on the the one way are super fast um and so i'm like hmm, maybe i can try and snag the the fkt on the there and back so that's on my radar oh man that'd be awesome yeah <laughs> right there from the house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well greg uh thank you very much for uh being on the show we just have a couple questions we like to ask our guests um, at the end of the, the podcast. One of them is, what kind of gear do you use? So it sounds like you do running and training, uh, resistance training, all that. So right. whatever uh, your favorite uh, pieces of gear are, we can, uh, let's hear them. Uh, well, right now I'm running in Hokans. I got a pair of uh, speed goats, which I like. I was an ultra guy for a long time. And then I was dealing with some leg issues and switched to Hoka. And, and um, I've tried to go back to my ultras, but they just aren't working out for me. So um, I run in Hoka's. Uh, I've tried a bunch of different vests and uh, I seem to like the Solomon one the best right now. So I'm using that. Um, I have this really killer little dagger that I bought, um, custom from this dude with a sheath and a clip and it slides into the back of my shorts and I can't even tell that it's there. And that was one of the best things that I've purchased in a while because, um, running out here by myself in like the pre-dawn hours, I'm definitely like, you know, aware that there's probably a big cat somewhere stalking me <laughs> so, at least if i have a, a little tiny sticker of some sort to feel like i might be able to defend myself it gives me a little bit of peace of mind um and then uh yeah in the gym i i don't necessarily have uh do you have any favorite equipment in there i don't think so i i uh i do a lot of uh dumbbell work and i got a nice rack and i got a pretty pretty sweet home gym setup um i would like to get a an assault bike or uh maybe one of those ski ergs but all that stuff's super expensive yeah those ski ergs are 
talk about uh wanting to puke holy cow <laughs> i mean you could do the same thing on this old bike but yeah anytime i've done those ski ergs it's like the same with the jacob's ladder i don't know if you've ever done that and just put you right there at max heart rate right <laughs> so the second question we uh like to ask is uh you know we're trying to grow our platform with the podcast and who is some someone you look up to it doesn't have to be running or fitness or anything that we could have on the podcast that has a good story um i mean I, it's tough because i'm I, there's yeah i'm, I'm sure the will start turning around, you know? yeah um <laughs> there's a a guy here locally and and uh he's not even really on social media or anything like that but he's uh jesus i think he's pushing 60 and he's like he's just freaking insanely fast on a mountain bike and cycling and stuff and um and he's been sober for like 25 years and uh he helped me out a lot uh when i was first getting sober i reached out to him because i i honestly i i knew him a little bit um but i reached out to him because i knew he was sober and when i was trying to get sober and kind of questioning you know whether i was going to get sober and all that stuff um and he told me his story and and uh he helped me get sober so um he, he comes to mind um and then uh there's a some guys um in the training realm that i've met you know that i mentioned that i talked to who kind of convinced me to to do the coaching thing um who have uh i think you know pretty cool stories so um they could be some some cool interviews as well cool if you want to help us get in contact with them that'd be appreciated for sure so uh, we're going to give you a little uh, time to do any shout outs, you know, you know, sell your, your coaching, whoever else you want to give a shout out where people can find you on social media so they can follow along with you. We'll give you a, uh, whatever time you need. <laughs> uh, well, my platform on Instagram, which is pretty much the only place that, that I uh, post much these days is silent warriors coaching. Um, so come on come on over there and check out what i'm putting out and uh you know again my my goal with my content is just to try and uh post stuff that uh either inspires somebody to uh take a look at themselves and things that they're doing in the mirror and make some changes or inspires them to uh to get outside and run or or get into the gym and start working out um so you know if I can help, you know, one or two people uh, make some positive changes in their lives, and then I guess uh, all the the time that I spend uh, posting this stuff and, and trying to be inspirational was worth it. Well, Greg, thanks for uh, being vulnerable, telling us your story. Thanks yeah, for having me. It. Yeah, chatting with me about sobriety. It's always to have of another course. another person on your side. Yeah, definitely. Been through the same crap, and we'll go through the same crap through the rest of our lives totally. <laughs> thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah thank you appreciate all it. right enjoy the rest of your night you too